I just so enjoyed the worship this morning. You know, I was so thankful uh, just hearing some people get involved here. Like, you know, Hector, my man on guitar, and Liz, you know, singing. And, uh, you know, and just, you know, hearing about our setup team this morning, there was a guy that, you know, I'm working with, uh, his name is Kiyoki. He was in the first service, and he's serving the setup and the breakdown. And we're trying to get more people involved with that. I, I want to call everyone uh, in Highlands, you know, to a place of service. And I'm so grateful, you know, um, you know, this morning, you know, Moku and his, his uh, dad, you know, everybody said, Moku, is that your dad? Look like he's your brother. You know, he looks young and vibrant and, uh, you know, but, you know, they woke up early in the morning and all the way from the west side come here and help set up. I saw the dad. He's like, you know, he's all fiery kind of guy. But, you know, when I see that, I, I see the sacrifice. I see the heart they're willing to go beyond and just to help. And, uh, you know, all through our services, you know, you come in and I'll welcome, you know, we have, uh, you, you see Sandy, and Donna, who's been there faithfully serving and, and giving of themselves. And, and I'm just so grateful for that. I just want to give everybody an opportunity to serve in some capacity. Because, you know, just like, uh, you know, I grew up in Kalihi. And, uh, you know, we all had some family chores to do. And uh, if you didn't do your chore, you know, uh, my mom would say something. But sometimes it would just be a slap on the head. You know what I mean? Get, get going doing your chores, son. You ain't going to go anywhere, you know. And, and, and you know, and, and not to say that we have to force anybody, but you want to do it from a heart that loves God, you know, the house of God. So I want to, I, I want to make an appeal to you. And, you, you know, and I told people this morning, if I make an appeal to you, you're getting irritated. That's intentional. <laughs> that's intentional. Because God wants you to be in a place of serving. How I many you know when you're serving, man, it's hard to think about yourself. When you're serving, it's hard to be worrying because you, you're trusting God. You're worshiping God. You know, I woke up this morning seeking God and, and really, just, really just getting before the Lord early this morning. And I just say, Lord, I, I want to see Pearl Highlands that we, we would have disciples that are making disciples, but disciplined followers of you, not just followers for what they can get from you, but discipline in your walk with God. You see, Jesus said he's called us to be disciples, and we have to be disciplined in our walk with the Lord, and, and that includes serving. Amen? Amen. Well, we're concluding this series, Made for Greatness. Tell a person next to you, I love this part, you were made for greatness. Tell the other person on the other side, you were made for greatness. Yes. Thank you. I love that. Yeah. But we're going to talk today about made through mercy. See, if you walk with God long enough, you'll come to understand the mercy of God. See, the mercy of God is God not giving us what we really deserve. You know, because of sin, we deserve death. Eternal separation from God. But how many of you know God came in his mercy and he sent his son to die for you and I. And later on in the service, we're going to take communion. We're going to come to the table of communion and remember what Jesus did for us. But see, you can't be made in any other way but through the mercy of God. It's by God's mercy. See, we're looking at the life of David. He was a mighty hero of the faith. Everybody loved David back then. You know, he slew Goliath. He did a lot of, uh, he led the Israelites into battle and they conquered uh, nations after nations and, and they were just moving on and doing some great things. But David was still human. How many of you know that when you look in the mirror, you, you are human? 
See, sometimes we can think we get above and beyond, and uh, you're going to see David's life like that. But we're just human beings. Okay? And then what happened is uh, success and God's blessing led him to a place where he let his guard down. He didn't do what he was supposed to do and fell into sin, bringing massive consequences on himself, his family, and the nation. David's fall serves as a powerful reminder to keep our spiritual guards up, to remain accountable and submissive to others, no matter how powerful and successful we become. David's repentance paved the way for the second chapter of his life, experiencing God's mercy and redemption. While sin has consequences, God is always merciful and redemptive, even though we are flawed, pointing to the grace of God. You see, we are all flawed. We live in a broken, fallen world. And things happen in our life sometimes that is not pleasing to the Lord. But God's grace, when we humble ourselves before him, his grace is sufficient for every one of us. Can I hear an amen, somebody? See, we must choose consistency over compromise. In the spring of the time when kings go off to war, this is, uh, this is again 2 Samuel 11, verse 1 to 5. David sent Joab, Joab sorry, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elimion, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. I am pregnant. You see, I have a scripture in Galatians 6 verse 9. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. But God wants us to be consistent in our walk with him. He wants us to be consistent and open before other people. And what happens is there are times when you're going to feel like compromising. Okay? Now, if you're being tempted to sin, temptation is not sin. You know, some people say, well, I'm being tempted, and you already think you're sinning. No, temptation is not sin. It's what you do with that temptation can lead you to sin. But we all live in a world that we're being tempted at all times, and there's always challenging to us to compromise our life. Now, I stand here not with saying that I got it all together. Let me tell you what. I've been walking this walk long enough, and there's always challenges that come your way. They always come places where you can easily just compromise. And we find here, David did that. See, what happened is, first of all, he neglected his God-given responsibilities. See, it was a time, in verse 1, where kings go off to war. See, he was supposed to be at war. See, some of us, we're compromising our war. We should be at war, but we're not at war. We're doing our own thing. You see, if you're not where you're supposed to be and what, do what you're supposed to do, the Bible tells me in Genesis that temptation of sin is right at the door. It's calling your name. But we have a choice. 
I'm glad that God didn't make us like robots. He gave us a choice. You're watching online today. Let me tell you what. You have a free will, a choice in life to choose. You can choose to be consistent or you can choose to compromise. Now, David compromised in his life and he wasn't where he's supposed to be at. Then he also, in the same verse, first one, David sent Joab out of the, with the king's men. So what happened is, all of a sudden, he wasn't at the place he's supposed to be. Then he began to send people out of his life who were supposed to be there to hold him accountable. You see, God placed people in our life to hold us accountable to our walk with him. You're not here just by yourself. You cannot do it by yourself. You need a band of brothers or sisters that are going to stand with you, that's going to pray with you. But how many of you know that when you're tempted to sin or you want to compromise, somehow you try to push away the very people that God placed in your life to help you? And you say, how do you know that, Coach? Well, let me tell you what I know. I've been walking this walk long enough. And so what happened is we, we try, we're not being where we need to be. Then we start pushing people out of our lives who God has sent. So sometimes God, we say, God, speak to me. And God's speaking to you, the very people that he put into your life. But we pushed them away. So we find David pushing away. Joab was his, uh, one of his uh, leading commanders of the army. He was actually a relative of, of David, and he, and he pushed him out of his life. And along with him went the, the rest of the king's men. You see, the devil wants you to just kind of get off by yourself, and you think you're above and beyond. And in a moment, you have no accountability. I got a question for you. Who's holding you accountable in your walk with God today? Because your accountability that's around you is going to help save you someday. You know, I tell people, you should have three kinds of people around your life. You need a Paul who's speaking into your life. Okay, if you're a woman, you need a Paulette speaking into your life. Who's that Paul? Who's that Paulette speaking into your life? I mean, they're, they're older, they're much more mature in the Lord, and they just have a way of telling you what you need to do. Let me tell you what, when you're about to compromise, you don't want to hear Paul speaking into your life. And then you need a Barnabas, uh, you know. I don't know what the girl's name, Barbara, I guess, Barbara around you, you know. You need a Barnabas around you, why? Because they are you like your peers, and they're going to tell you what you need to hear. You know, they, they know that you're probably somebody important, but to them, it doesn't matter. You're just Alfredo. And they'll tell you the truth sometimes. And you, 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 you have to deal with that, you know. Just come, kind of know, when you're ready to compromise, you don't want to see Paul, you don't want to see Barnabas. But that's the very people that God placed in your life. And then you need a Timothy in your life. See, Paul was pouring into Timothy. It's about the next generation. You see, sometimes we're like the Dead Sea. We're just receiving. And we're kind of just, you know, getting, we're dying. or We're all drying up. And we need to pour into someone else. Who's the Timothy? Who's the Tammy in your life that you need to pour into? Because when you pour into someone, like I pour into, you know, I got men around me that I'm pouring into their life. Then I realize I have to live this life. Why? Because they're watching me. And whatever I give into, they will, they will be dealt with on that area. And there's a fear of God that comes in your life. See, so who are you pouring into? Because when you're pouring into somebody, it keeps you in the way and realizing you have to walk this walk. You have to 
Be consistent and not compromise in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you're here today, God brought you here, you're watching online, and there's some areas that you're compromising in. And it's a slippery slope. Because when you compromise one time, you compromise the next time, before you know it, you're in a place where you know in your walk with God, if you know God, you know that the Lord is not pleased with you in that area. And that's what happened to David. David, David, what happened because of his choices, God loved David so much that he was going to get into David's life in this area. See, when you allow power and pride to lead to a place of entitlement, See, when you begin to be successful and everything's going good, then you feel like you're entitled to things. Let me tell you what, pride comes before the fall. A haughty spirit comes before the fall. See, we have to be humble before God and we not allow pride to get in our way. You know what pride does? It blinds you from really seeing the truth. You see, I'm going to say something here that, that the, really what sin does, a sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And cost you more than you want to pay. I'm going to say that one more time. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And cost you more than you want to pay. That's what sin does. See, sin is good for a pleasure for a moment, but after a while, it cannot satisfy. It cannot breathe life inside of you. Sin will eventually destroy you. So we find here, um, you know, here David, he neglects his God-given responsibility, push away all the people closest to him, and then now he, he's being led by his pride and entitlement. And what happened, it leads to number four. You, he, had a, he began to attempt to cover up his sin. Now, how did he do this? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read you some things that's actually in that same chapter, but I'm just going to cut it short here to let you know. The king's reaction was to, to hide his sin. David commanded Uriah to report back to him from the battlefield, and he wanted Uriah to, to, to sleep with his wife Bathsheba to, to, to try to cover up the adultery. But you see, Uriah came back and he realized all his men are fighting the battles. And he said, how can I live and then have pleasure with my wife when my, my, my buddies are out there fighting? So he wouldn't go home. He's kind of slept uh, away from his home. And he did that two nights in a row. So David realized he's not going to do what he, he wants him to do. That He's not going to allow him to cover up David's sin. So what he did, he, he went to the next level and he got very cynical with this whole thing because what happened is now he realized he has to do some other things. So he takes it to the next level. He become more sinister in his planning and he commanded his military leader, Joab, to place Uriah on the front line of the battle, knowing that when that happened, Uriah is going to die. So he didn't just commit adultery, now he committed murder. This is one of the greatest kings of Israel forever. But you see, God is showing us that, hey, even him can make mistakes. Even him can sin. Let me tell you what, it's not too far from every one of us. We all battle with that too. And when we sin, we like try to cover it up. And how do you know? Well, just look in the Genesis. Adam and Eve, when they, when they sinned, what happened? They began to put fig leaves. 
And we think like we can cover up our sin. And, and all along, God can see it. God can see right through it. But you see, our human nature is we want to cover it up. And we try to track in our life, see how, we can, how can we cover it up. But you see, because of what he did, God wasn't pleased with him. You can look later on, 2 Samuel eleven twenty seven. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. You know one thing about God, he loved us so much that when we live our lives of compromising areas, he loved us too much to leave us there. And he's going to come by his spirit to breathe in the air, to bring his love and his light. Why? He doesn't want you to live in darkness. He wants you to live above that. Can I hear an amen, somebody? That God is a God of hope. You don't have to live there. And maybe perhaps you might be here in a crowd like this, and those of you watching online, there's areas you're compromising in. We had a great response time in the first service because people were just coming to God and say, wow, realizing that they're compromising areas in their life. If you're going through that, let me tell you, you're at the right place because God's mercy and his redemption will come upon you afresh today. He'll give you hope when you feel hopeless and you feel like you can never overcome that. Well, we find here David and Bathsheba's they had a child, and, and because of, of the judgment that was coming on David, the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to confront David. How I many you know that when you're in sin, God will always send someone to confront you? Because he loves you. And what happened, we find here, Nathan, uh, he tells him a parable. This is all found in 2 Samuel 12, verse 5 and 6. And he said, a rich man took a poor man's only sheep and killed it, even though he had many flocks of his own. David, a former shepherd, was so angered by his story. And when he thought, what was, he thought it was true, that he responded, as surely as the Lord lived, the man who did this must die. Then what happened is Nathan told him, you're that man. Oh, you ever had someone come to you telling you a, like a parable and you think like, man, that guy, he's, he's a, he, he deserved to die. And then, then the person said, that's you. And all of a sudden, David realized God was coming. God was exposing his sin. See, compromise will always lead to consequences. The, the nation, look at me in the scriptures here, Second Samuel 12, verse 7 to 10. The, 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 the Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had not had been too little, I would have given you more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You, you struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be with your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despise me and you, and you took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. We find in this story, because of David's compromise and sin, there was consequences he had to face. And one of the things was that, that, that baby that they had, and although he prayed for it and asked God to have mercy, well, that baby died. And you might think, wow, that's something mean. No, let me tell you what. God was dealing with David, King David. 
He tells a story after. He says, hey, uh, although that when the baby died, he will not come to me. I will go to him. And it gives us a hope that any of you maybe had a, a, a miscarried a child or maybe some kind of thing happened. Let me tell you what. They may never come back to you, but one day you'll go to them. And God, God you, you'll be with them on that. See, David realized that his sin has caused this thing to happen. And you'll find that he said, the sword will never leave your house. Well, his sons, as great as they were, let me tell you what, there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of adultery, things that were going on in his family. See, when you sin, what happened? You open the door for consequences in your life, and it opened up the door for consequences in other people's lives. Now, I'm not saying that to put a guilt trip on you. I'm, I'm saying that to help you understand that, man, let me tell you what, sin has a price to pay. That's why I'm glad that Jesus came. His grace is available when we repent, when we turn to him. That's why we have to repent. You see, what happened is um, um, in, in Numbers 32, verse 23, it says this, but if you fall to this, you will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. See, if you're in an area of sin and compromise, your sin will be will be found out. It will come to the light. Why? Because God loves you, and he wants to bring you to the light. He wants you to live above that. You know, there's a scripture in Galatians 6, verse 7 to 8, says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So you understand that what we sow, we will reap. If you, you, know, if you, if you see people, uh, when they commit maybe a crime, they do something wrong, let me tell you what, they come to God for asking forgiveness. God will forgive them, but however, whatever they sow, they will have to reap. And some of the reaping is maybe they have to go into, have some jail time. You see, that's the consequences of that. See, you, you all have kids. Some of you raise them, and you, you realize you tell them you can do this, this, and this. But if you cross that line, then you have consequences. How many of you know that's really good for us? It keeps us in the way. Oh, I don't know about you, man. My dad, when he brought that belt out, man, you know, today they would say, hey, that's like, you know, a child of Bruce. Let me tell you what, it can't be in the way. It was some good in that. And so I don't, I don't believe, you know, when people say, hey, you know, don't spank your child. No, I don't believe that because you, you, you're actually disciplined. And, you know, God, you, he speaks to us the same way. Who the, love, the Lord love, he disciplined. How many of you have experienced the discipline of God? See, God is not just grace, love, 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 sloppy, agape kind of love. There is an accountability to the way you walk. And you have to understand that God loves us, but there's a way he wants us to live. So we can't get blinded with the love of God, you know, and we're so blinded that we start living our own way in contrary to the word of God. Because God loves us and he's going to cause those things to come up. Why? Because he wants us to walk with him and make right choices by the power of his spirit. See, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. When you continue in a place of compromise and sin, let me tell you what, 
the end result is death. And this death is not just talking about physical death. This death is talking about spiritual, eternal death. But I'm glad Jesus came. He says, but the gift of God. Tell the person next to you, God has a gift for you. And it's in his son, Jesus Christ. He who has the son has eternal life. He who does not have the son has no eternal life. It's simple as that. But it's found in a relationship with him. So we find David come to a place where he was confronted by Nathan. Or Natalie for, your, for women. Yeah? Whoever is that will confront you. Oh, I know a few Natalies. They probably will confront you. Yeah, they confront you. And then now you have a choice. What are you going to do? Are you going to continue to hide or are you going to come clean? Well, David gives us the answer in his life. Come clean before Christ. In 2 Samuel 12, 13, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. Psalms 51 is the, written because when David was confronted by Nathan, the prophet, he wrote Psalms 51, and he said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You see, David came and said, I want to, Lord, cleanse my heart, Lord. I, I, forgive me, I've sinned against you. And maybe you're here today and you've been in a place of compromise and the Holy Spirit is convicting you. He's not condemning you, he's convicting you. There's a big difference. See, some people, they, you, 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 you listen to the right voice, you'll be convicted of your sin. There's always hope. When you're convicted, there's always hope. Conviction will always bring you closer to God. Condemnation will always cause you to go further from God. You know when you're being condemned. You don't want to be in church. You don't want to be around the people of God. You're under the spirit of condemnation. Conviction will bring you to God. And say, Lord, I'm broken, Lord. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. Conviction will always come to the people of God. Be around the people of God. Why? Because you realize you can't do it alone by yourself anymore. Just come clean before God. I like this scripture in Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 4 in the NLT. But God is so rich in mercy. Let me tell you what. He is rich. There's a whole lot of mercy in God. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. God is rich in mercy today. You see, mercy and grace are similar but they are different too. Mercy is God not giving you or giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. See, mercy is God withholding the punishment that we deserve. Grace is God giving us his love even though we don't deserve it. So you have to understand that when you come into God, we need the mercy of God, but we need the grace of God today. And that's how we walk with the Lord. Today I want to show you a clip of a story of Bob and Audrey. They were uh, ministers. They were so busy. They had a television ministry. They were, they were so busy. 
But along the way, something happened in their life. There was a guy that came into their life that was young, and he was good-looking, and he was very gifted and talented, and he got close with Audrey. And what seemed to be very innocent turned into a full-fledged affair. Take a look at this clip. Bob and I both loved that whole idea of doing anything for Jesus. We were in ministry. I was a Jesus girl. We were rock solid. For Audrey and I, serving God meant everything to us. And that involved, you know, a lot of long hours, a lot of devotion, a lot of sacrifice. As a pastor, I saw this young man who just needed some guidance. So we invited him to be a part of our family activities. I remember feeling so exhausted, so overwhelmed and hiding that. And then this young guy starts coming into our life. And the first thing he says is he seemed to be doing everything for everybody. Do you need some help? And I was like, yes. But the more we hung out together, it turned into, you are, you are so beautiful in every way. Like, I wish I could find a girl even just half as beautiful as you. When I knew I was going to be seeing him, I made sure I looked good. I felt like I was invincible. I thought I could have this guy flirting with me. Nothing would ever really happen. You know, sin takes you further than you ever thought you would go. It goes little by little by little. You just start just one little compromise, just a teeny tiny compromise. And then you quickly find out that there's no such thing as a small compromise. Because that one little touch of the hand or that one little rubbing against, it did something. It, it electrified me somehow. And so I wanted more. You see, sin always craves more and is never satisfied and wants that next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And before you know it, you're on this, this thing that you just can't get off of. I had a sexual affair with this guy for three weeks and I knew that it couldn't continue. Because I just felt something in my heart say, you have to tell Bob. It was the most intense, scary, awful moment in the whole world. And I said, I actually did, I did it. I had an affair. So immediately my mind is flooded, images of her with this person. Where am I? Where were our children? This isn't just a little oop. You say that you love me, but yet you give yourself like this? It makes no sense. The rage and the anger that I had was so intense. I just stormed out of the room, slammed doors, stopped my feet. I mean, I was a mess. I really wanted to hurt her. I wanted her to feel what I was feeling. Just when I didn't think the desperation could get any lower, I found out that as a result of this affair, I had become pregnant. And on that day, I didn't think I could face my life. I just felt like I had blown up my whole family. I cried out to God, will you forgive me? And then I went to Bob and I said, could you ever find it in your heart to love me again? I knew that in that moment I had to forgive her, but I was only capable of so much. That afternoon, I had to forgive her again. Later that evening, the next day, weeks, months, even years, 
Forgiveness really was a process for me, but we together chose to press in, you know, to each other, but really into God, because we were hoping that he could rescue, not just us, but rescue our family and my children. When he was born, I asked Audrey if I could name him. I gave him my name, Robert. I don't want my son to ever question one day in his life whose boy he is. He's my son now. The fact that he has his name just is that complete acceptance. It's such a picture of what God does for us. Not only does he accept us, not only does he forgive us, but he gives us his name and he redeems our life from what was supposed to be stolen and taken away. He gives us as a gift. And you know what? There's really a revival after repentance. We don't have to have any secrets anymore. We trust each other and we love being married. When you participate with sin, it always takes. But when you participate with God, He always gives life. Isn't that really powerful? Yeah, you can go ahead and clap. That was powerful, yeah. And you know what He said, right? Uh, again, when you participate in sin, they'll take from you. But when you participate with God, God is always a giving God. There's a scripture before I have Leanne come and share with us uh, communion. Um, there's a scripture in Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. That's why you are made in mercy. But God will do his part, but he will not do our part. Is the part of confessing and getting right before God. 